the World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. to review Night 5 of New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax after a little break. And uh, here we are. Here we are late, late in the evening before Night 7 starts. It's actually 2.30 in the morning. And I just finished watching the opening tag matches of Night 6. I'm going to finish up Night 6 soon. And, but I figured I'd record a podcast for Night 5 first. And I don't know why I'm up this late. But here we are, here we are, to do a review of Night 5. So, this was a pretty good show, not as good as some of the other ones, but there were two very good matches, and one in particular that was very, very, very good, and uh, probably two others that were good. So I guess there were really three matches that were quite excellent. But before we get into all of that, we got to talk about the opening tag matches. And so the show opened with Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tanzan against Michael Elgin and Katsuya Kitamura, the young lion. And of course, Kitamura was looking to impress in this one, as he has in his previous matches. Uh, And he didn't do too bad. Didn't do too bad at all. Now, the match uh, wasn't very long overall. There wasn't really anything too, too eventful in it either that I noticed. Although Tenzon was mega over. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why, other than the fact that he's a legend, of course. Uh, because he would be o- over, I suppose. But he just seemed to be very, very over when he came out. And, and Kojima too, but Tenzon was, the, I think, the Biggest star in this match, at least to this audience. So Kitamura uh, was pinned by Kojima when Kojima hit him with a lariat. Up next was Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Taichi against Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Harai Kawato. And this match... uh, Let's see, I'm trying to think of anything super eventful that happened in that. There was some brief interactions between Juice and Suzuki, which was good. I'm looking forward to their match. I don't know who won yet because I still haven't finished Night 6. So any prediction I make about how that match is going to go, keep that in mind. I haven't seen Night 6 yet. And so uh, Juice, I'm hoping Juice wins to get that really big win. And uh, that should be an interesting matchup. And this match ended when uh, El Desperado defeated uh, Kawato. 
and uh, that's all I can really say about it. It was good. Kawada looked good. David Finley looked good. Everyone looked pretty good. Well, except Tai Chi, but that's because he's Tai Chi. Yes, the Tai Chi hatred continues. Then we have uh, Lawson Garbonables to Hopan, Evil and Hiromu Takahashi against the Bullet Club, Tamatanga and Chase Owens. Takahashi coming out in the first show after he lost his friend Daryl. And it appeared that he was holding Daryl, but Daryl wasn't there. And so apparently the announcers uh, described Daryl as an invisible Daryl. He was using carrying that around for uh, comfort. Uh, that is according to Brian Rose on F4WOnline.com, WrestlingObserver.com, in his recap of the show. And that is, as always, where I'm getting my recaps, just so I can remember. I kind of want to watch the shows without taking notes, just to sit back and enjoy them. So I'm going off the recap here. And yeah, Takahashi has an invisible Daryl now. I, I wonder if this invisible Daryl will turn into an actual Daryl at some point. But uh, Takahashi looks quite distressed. He looked like he didn't sleep. Like He lo honestly looked like he's been crying the whole time. Which was really, really sad. I felt I felt very sorry for him, and uh, he's becoming a truly sympathetic babyface as he goes more and more insane. Really, uh, he, I mean, it started with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which he lost. And but while he was holding it, the longer he held it, the crazier he seemed to get. And then he lost it, and then he started uh, with Daryl and got crazier and crazier, and then he lost Daryl, and now it seems to be in the next stage. Uh, but this was not a bad match. Uh, obviously, we're getting Tamatonga and Evil. The really eventful thing kind of happened at the end, but we'll get there. Um, Evil ended up submitting Chase Owens with his Banshee muzzle, and right after the bell, Tamatonga runs into the ring to try to hit a gun stun, on Evil, but Evil catches him in midair and just throws him off, saying, NOPE! And so that was very interesting. Will he be able to block the gun stun in their coming match? And next up, this was a fun match. Kenny Omega and Yujiro Takahashi, the Bullet Club, against Chaos, Toru Yano, and Jado. And whenever I see Omega and Yano across from each other, you know it's going to be fun. And... This, uh, when Omega came out, he talked about how, you know, they're all here to see him and the critics enjoy his matches and he, they're here to see his skills. But now he's going to show some comedy, which I thought was quite funny. And then, of course, this match was filled with a bunch of comedy as uh, Yano and Omega tried to out-cheat each other. They grabbed each other's hair. You know, there was a, one of the funny spots is when they both, and it was actually towards the end of the match, when uh, Tamatonga grabbed Kenny Omega's hair, and then Kenny, o or not Tamatonga, sorry, um, Toriyano grabbed Kenny Omega's hair, and then uh, Omega grabbed Yano's hair, and they're pulling on each other's hair, and the ref's telling them the break, and they won't, so the ref hits both their arms to break it, and they end up yanking on each other's hair and yelling in pain. And not long after that, uh, Takahashi won with the DDT on Jado. 
So, an amusing match, to at least. And then we had Sonata and Bushi against Okada and Ghetto. Uh, another relatively uneventful match. Again, there's nothing wrong with them. They're all they're all perfectly good matches. It's just trying to highlight some of the potential storylines coming out of it. And uh, Bushi ended up hitting Ghetto when he hit the MX. Uh, sorry, the MX. I don't think I said that clearly enough. I might need to slow down when I speak sometimes to say things more clearly. And uh, so Bushi got a, a nice little win there and kind of recovering from getting beaten, I think, in his last one or one of the other matches, anyways. Then uh, they went right into the A-block matches with Zack Sabre Jr. and Yoshi Hashi. And let's see. I'm going to see if I can figure out what my prediction was for this one. And... Uh, Okay, so uh, this was a good match. I ended up picking Zack Sabre Jr. to win, and I was correct. And uh, Yoshihashi and... Well, I'm trying to think. Yoshihashi, what are the big moves he had? He hit a jackknife powerbomb uh, and took out Desperado at one point when Desperado interfered, which I am getting quite tired of. Um, he... Let's see. Zack Sabre Jr. also worked over Yoshihashi's arm throughout the match, and uh, then he kept working over it for a considerable amount of time, weakening him. And then uh, he ended up trapping Yoshihashi's arm in an arm lock, but Yoshihashi got to the ropes. But then he went for another armbar and then tr transitioned into that octopus stretch, which I won't bother reading the full name for today. But uh, yes, that's how he got the tap out. It was a good match, good opener, a good opener for the eight block. Next up was a match that was really, really good, and the crowd was very much so into it. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yuji Nagata, and very. Relatively basic match, but you can tell these are two veterans who know exactly what they're doing. So, Tanahashi, you know, applied a figure four lock early in the match. Then Nagata turned it around, then Tanahashi turned it back, and then Nagata got to the ropes. You know, kind of the typical figure four spot. But it was really interesting in this that Tanahashi was getting booed. The fans were clearly behind Nagata. Uh, maybe because it's Nagata's last G1, or Nagata is just an ultimate babyface in Japan, which he is now, especially in his uh, later days of his career. But it is unusual to hear Tanahashi booed because he's such a fantastic babyface. But of course, because Tanahashi was getting booed, he decided to play right into it and uh, did a little bit of subtle heel things here and there to get booed further. And it was quite beautiful. I, I like that. Um, let's see. Oh, yes. Uh, then, once uh, they started exchanging holds back and forth after the figure four, um, they had a striking battle, and then Tanahashi went for a sling blade, but Nagata dodged and grabbed him, but then Tanahashi hit a German suplex. Uh, or, uh, yeah, that's what, at least that's what the note says. Anyways, uh, Nagata ended up trapping... Tanahashi's arms, though, and locked in his arm bar, and he rolled his eyes in the back of the head, and 
Tanahashi was in this for a while, but finally managed to scramble to the ropes, and the crowd booed him. And they both went into the corner, and uh, he hit a big top rope explorer on Tanahashi. Nagata, that is. And then uh, there was a brain buster, and that only got two. Uh, Tanahashi countered a back suplex uh, with a cross body. And then he hit the sing- sling blade and went for the high fly flow, but Nagata caught him at the top uh, as the two battled. Then Tanahashi headbutted him, hit the high fly flow, and then hit another one for the win. And this was a really great match. And it was really interesting to see Tanahashi kind of do these heel mannerisms throughout the match. Because that's a really unusual role for him. But it shows that he can be very good at it if he wanted to. I actually thought there was a point, maybe, maybe, when he was going to getting beaten by Naito uh, left, right, and center last year, that he was going to join LIJ which I thought would have been really interesting to see him uh, join the people that were beating him. But uh, that, that didn't happen. We might still see a heel run for him down the road, but we'll have to see. I, I don't think Tanahashi's anywhere near done. Yes, he's hurting, but I don't think he's anywhere close to being done wrestling. And I do expect to see at least one more world title reign down the line somewhere. But for now, I'm going to sit back and really enjoy his intercontinental title reign uh, as he main events shows with that title and Okada main events with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship because it's going to be a lot of fun uh, seeing where these two go, Uh, but especially Tanahashi. Uh, I'm really interested for the feuds that are coming up with him. Then we had uh, Bad Luck Fale against Tetsuya Naito. Oh, and I picked Tanahashi to win that match, so I was uh, 2-0 uh, two, two oh so far in my picks for this night. And then there was Bad Luck Fale and Naito, and uh, my goodness did I ever want Naito to win this match, uh, especially after what happened to poor Daryl. But, alas, that was not to be. And uh, I was actually cheering for Naito, even though I picked Bad Luck Fale to win originally uh, a week or two ago. And let's see, there was a lot of big power spots where Fale dominated Naito. And Naito tried over and over again to get him off his feet and just didn't, wasn't able to do it. But finally hit a shoulder tackle that knocked him off his feet. He went for a Destino, but Fale blocked it. And then he went for a grenade, but Naito countered with a uh, reverse DDT onto his knee, I think. And then uh, Fale quickly shot... uh, Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Naito went for another Destino, and this time blocked it, and then Fale hit the grenade and succeeded. And then so Fale got the win. Uh, It was okay. It wasn't a great match by any stretch of the imagination, but... You know, it, was, it wasn't bad. I mean, Naito's great and Fale's okay with the right guy. And, you know, I'd give it three, three, three and a half maybe for a star rating. And, you know, not bad. But I also got this pick correct. I did pick Bad Luck Fale. So that's uh, three for three so far in this night. So uh, this means five, six, seven. I got it eight picks correct in a row, which I was kind of blowing my mind there, but it was not to last. I picked uh, Ishii to win this next match against Kota Ibushi, and this match was awesome. This was very, very, very good, and 
the striking, the overall grappling, everything was really great in this match. Uh, from a psychology standpoint and a selling standpoint, it was just amazing, amazing match. Uh, and they started off very quickly, and uh, Abushi ended up hitting a suplex. Ishii immediately got up, only for Abushi to drop kick him. And then they did a, a whole bunch of spots where they wouldn't sell for each other and just beat the crap out of each other. And they did this a few times, more than once, until Abushi finally wiped out Ishii with a kick. And then uh, there was also a, a spot where uh, Abushi was kicking Ishii, and Ishii would get angrier every time he got kicked, which was really cool. And then uh, Ishii, of course, fired up and they exchanged some truly wild spots. And uh, then Abushi hit a killer clothesline on Ishii, which was quite something to see. Uh, Abushi sold it like he died. And then Ishii continued to beat on him, including hitting a sliding uh, lariat. And then Abushi struck back with some big kicks and then hit a gigantic kick to the head and looking like he killed Ishii. And he planted uh, Ishii with a dragon suplex, and uh, Ishii kicked out, and there was a lot of near falls, and one fall kickouts until that uh, dragon suplex, and then uh, Abushi followed that with his Golden Star powerbomb, or his last ride into the Sido powerbomb, and got the pin in what was just probably the best match of the night. This match was outstanding, and uh, I'd say... Tanahashi Nagata was close to being that good, but not quite as good. And the next match is probably another good one, but I, I don't know if it was better than Tanahashi Nagata. It was close. Uh, but it was Togi Makabe against Hiroki Goto, and this was another really good match. Makabe was wildly over, but it's because it's his hometown. And knowing that... <laughs> This actually, I didn't know that at first, and now know, I'm knowing that reading, reading the review. And if I knew it was in his hometown, I would have actually ended up picking uh, differently. I picked Goto to win, and I was wrong. Maccabee won. Uh, only WWE seems to have guys losing their hometown. And, I mean, very, very rarely, I'm sure uh, NJPW does it. But for the most part, in promotions outside of WWE, guys win in their hometown. Uh, why? Because it sends the crowd home happy. No matter what else you do, if the hometown hero wins, they're going to remember that. And in WWE, they say, oh, well, actually, I'll, say, I'll do my Vince impression. Well, uh, if we beat him in their hometown, we'll get heat on him, damn it. And that's Vince McMahon right there. A very bad Vince impression, but one I like doing. And so that's really the logic WWE has on it. They want to get heat on the hometown, or on the villains, by having the guy beat the hometown hero. And I, that's just stupid. I mean, there are exceptions to it. I mean, Naomi won at WrestleMania and all that, but for the most part, it's really dumb when they do it. And they seem to do it all the time, with few exceptions. And it's quite frustrating. But knowing that, I would have... Uh, picked Maccabee to win because that's what a normal promotion does and pretty much every other promotion on the planet except for WWE which should tell you something 
Yes, WWE is number one in size, but sometimes they do very perplexing things that no other promotion does when it comes to basic logic in the booking. And I don't say this again as hatred for the WWE. If you're listening to this as a WWE fan, please don't be offended. I love the WWE. I just wish they they could be so much better than they are. And there was a point in time when they were. And, I mean, you go back to the early 90s, even during the rather horrible cartoony Raws back in the day. Uh, you can go back to 93 or 94. They had some long-term logical booking. And if a guy was in their hometown, they rarely lost there. And all this kind of stuff. Uh, you go back to the 80s. And really throughout most of the 90s, this all started to change when Vince Russo started booking uh, the WWF in 1998, uh, maybe 97, 98. But it was so Russo-rific, you know, and really it's like Vince has adopted many of the things that Russo did that were wrong and just happened to keep doing them and somehow think that the right way to do things now, forgetting that what he did in the 80s is what really worked well. And yes, I am criticizing 1998 WWF, not all of it, There, were, but because the main event stuff was awesome. Austin McMahon, you know, The Rock was going up the card and stuff like that. That was all really, really outstanding stuff. And even Triple H going up the card. But... So much of it was not good either. And WCW, it was actually the other way around. The undercard was very, very good for the most part with great wrestlers like the Cruiserweights or guys like that. And then the main event scene was a total disaster. And in the end, it shows you can have a disastrous mid-card as long as your main event is good and you'll do fine. But... The disastrous uh, main event will kill you every single time, and that's what ended up what happening to WCW in a lot of ways. But um, so that's a long way to say. If I knew this was Maccabee, Maccabee's hometown, I would have picked Maccabee to win because most normal promotions put over the hometown hero to send the crowd home happy. However, I picked Goto. And the, but nonetheless, this match was a great, great match. They brawled all over the place, and they just threw each other in the barricades, hit hard shots, and big, big lariats. There's a point where uh, Maccabee killed Goto with an, just an epic lariat, and then Goto ended up, uh, what was it? And Goto ended up hitting. A few there was German suplexes exchanged. There was a power bomb. He had a big power bomb on uh, on Goto. He actually ended up hitting the King Kong knee drop, then a power bomb, but Goto kicked out. And then Maccabee took him to the corner and hit a German suplex off the top rope on Goto. Apparently, it's called a spider suplex here. I I've never heard it called that, but it was maybe it makes sense, I suppose, since. Uh, Maccabee stayed on the top rope with his knees hooked up, and then he pulled himself back up and hit the King Kong knee drop again and uh, pinned him. This was, there was nothing really on the show that was, you know, like, holy cow, this was amazing, except for, uh, except for uh, Ishii and Abushi. 
But yeah, it was still really, really good. And I recommend the whole show. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It was really, really good. New Japan World is cheap. It's about $10, about $9.99 American. A little bit less, actually, than that. I pay a little bit more because I'm Canadian, so it's about 11 or $12 a month for me. And right around the same price as the WWE Network. And, you know, it's worth it, if you ask me. Especially when you consider how horrible Battleground was. And I, I don't, again, I love WWE. I did not love that pay-per-view. And it's not just because I'm a, a pretentious smart mark. I like Roman Reigns. I like I like a lot of guys they push. Heck, I, I can even get behind Ginger being pushed uh, in a logical sense because I get what they're doing. I just wish they did it differently. I wish they built them up over a little bit more time. But I can get behind anyone they want as champion for the most part. As long as they make it make sense in the booking, I don't really care uh, who's champ or anything like that. And, again, I love WWE. I, I love what they're doing with Joe and Lesnar. I love what they're doing with Roman and Braun. And I love what they're doing with all four of them right now. Uh, Dean and Seth is interesting. The women are interesting on Raw, for the most part. Uh, I mean, they may, up, they may have messed up Bailey a bit, but they're working on it by giving her some wins, at least. <laughs> Who would have thought burying someone? Or, well, I shouldn't say burying. That's not the right word. Um... Having them lose all the time probably won't get them over. It only worked for Daniel Bryan because the crowd knew they were trying to not let Bryan... They were trying to make it so that Bryan wouldn't get over. That's why they were having him lose all the time, and he got over in spite of their booking. And now they think that's how babyfaces get over because Bryan got over that way, which is really dumb. Don't believe their narrative that they were behind Daniel Bryan. They weren't. They weren't until the fans made them get behind him, and that is really what it was. No matter what WWE's narrative is in that, that's really what it was. And so, in the A block, this is the standing so far. At four points, Tetsuya Naito. At four points, Hiroki Goto. At four points, Zack Sabre Jr. At four points, Kota Ibushi. At four points, Bad Luck Fale. And at four points, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then we have, at two points, Togi Makabe, at two points, Yoshihashi, and at two points, Tomohiro Ishii. And then, unfortunately, at the very bottom, with zero points, is Yuji Nagata. I hope he gets a few more wins. I hope he gets a few wins, at least. Get up to four or six points before the end of this, because it'd be really sad if he doesn't win any matches. That would just make me really, really sad. Uh, I hope he beats Bad Luck Fale and just kicks him in the head. I'm really angry at Folly after what he did to Daryl. And he's not even that bad a wrestler. I just I he has a lot of heat with me after what he did to Daryl. Which means he did his job very well because I want everyone to beat him. Especially uh L I J, but alas he beat Naito, which creates even more heat for him. But there's gonna be payback, don't worry. They'll have some babyface beat him on this card, and it's going to get a great reaction from the audience because he's beating everybody's favorites at the moment. Uh, who knows? Maybe this morning, a little bit later, maybe Zack Sabre Jr. will arm burn in 10 seconds like he promised. Or uh, if maybe Kota Ibushi will topple him, which would be really great. So we'll have to see. Or Yuji Nagata. Actually, that would be awesome. If it was Yuji Nagata to beat him and play spoiler, 
if it gets down to okay between Fale and Naito or something like that going to the finals, and uh, Yuji Nagata keeps Fale out by beating him, that would be really cool. Uh, in the B block, leading is Kenny Omega with four points, Okada with four, Tamatanga with two, Sonata with two, Juice Robinson with two, Evil with two, Toru Yano with two, Minoru Suzuki with two, Michael Elgin with zero, and Kojima with zero. And I expect them to get a few wins at some point as well. So, I believe that is it. That is the uh, show from night five. A good show featuring the A block, but not an outstanding show. Not as good as some of the previous ones, but not a bad show at all. So, can't uh, can't say it was too bad at all. And with all that being said, we're going to get into watching Night 6 soon. That's what I'm going to do now. And who knows, maybe I'll stay up and watch Night 7 as well. But either way, a podcast covering Night 6 will be coming later this afternoon and Night 7 maybe later this evening. I've got to give my voice a little bit of a break. But I hope you enjoyed this coverage. And I'm going to close you out with Kota Bushi's theme. Okay, so we'll talk to you again later today. Later today, my friends. Happy G1.